0: And thank you for joining us on the first ever Late Night Love. It is 11.55 p.m. on, what is this, May 23rd of the year 2020. And life is negative enough. And so that's why we're here. Um, We're here to try to put a little positivity into what has become a fairly negative life these days. Um, as I said, I'm James Just. I'm currently a candidate for California State Assembly, but that's not why we're here. I'm mostly a grandfather um, and just kind of your average guy. I'm like most people here in California. AB5 changed my economic life, and then the pandemic changed it again. So we're all kind of like everybody else, just kind of trying to sit here and trying to work our way through this. Um we're going to try and steer away from politics. We're, I mean, I love politics, so it will well come up. But we're going to steer away from talking about politics when it comes to policy. If you want to call me and tell me the emotional reason why you love some political philosophy or a political perspective, that's great. We'll talk about that. But mostly, we want to talk about things we love. Um, your children, your grandmother, your mother-in-law, pizza. Dr. Pepper, if you're my case, um, whatever it is we feel like loving, whatever it is that troubles you about love, if you're struggling through some type of love issue, you can call us on our love line, 530-830-2789. We will be able to take your call. You can reach us on our Facebook page, which is just James Just, you can find me on Facebook, and you send me a message, and I'll send you a link to the studio, and you can join in. You don't have to have your camera turned on. You can just turn on your mic, and it's like a phone call. Um, but so we're going to start. We're going to jump right in and about talk about some things that I love. And for those of you on the camera, you might be able to see I've got a shirt on about the Princess Bride. It's got the pre- Jed pyre Roberts. Good work. Sleep well. almost like a kill you in the morning. And that is a movie that I love. And so we'll talk about for a few minutes about why I love this movie. This is a, it's a simplistic but deep movie at the same time. But it uses, I don't want to call them tricks, techniques that keep you from losing the point of being in the movie. It's a fantasy movie that actually manages to keep you believing the fantasy, oddly enough, by pulling you out. It's, it's the opening scenes where the grandfather comes in to talk to the, grand, the sick grandson, and you start reading a story. And so you immediately understand that it's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. But as you go in and, and it starts to become unrealistic, you know, as the, the cliffs of insanity and, the, and it's right as the, the princess jumps into the, the water and the eels, right, they cut back away to remind you that it's just a grandfather reading this on a book. And normally, you, know, you don't wanna break that wall, you don't want to break the, the fantasy that you are building, but in this particular case, you wanted to remind people that it was a fantasy, that you wanna take it seriously, you want to learn the messages, but what you don't want to do is spoil the fun and so by pulling you out by remind by having that interaction with the sun that are you scared are you worried you know it's reminding us that it's a fantasy but we get right back into it and so you you don't actually lose the journey it actually improves the journey it allows you um, the emotional and intellectual freedom to enjoy the rest of the movie for the fantasy that it is And you can just kind of learn the life lessons and the various messages that the movie is trying to say or trying to get you to think about more and more appropriately is how we uh, move forward. Move forward. There's a politician in me. You you, you forget where you're going and you talk about moving forward. That's just terrible. (laughs) But it is what it is. and so that's why I love the movie, because it's very deep, but it uses a couple of small techniques to remind you that it's a fantasy, so you can enjoy it while still not losing the sense of reality. It's a very neat trick. It's very hard to do. And I actually appreciate, am <laughs> sorry, I actually appreciate, um, artists and art that are intelligent enough and courageous enough to leave it up to their viewers to interpret what they're doing and that's essentially what was happening is that you put a thought on the screens and you allow your viewers to interpret it you don't hammer them over the head with a uh with a message your message may be there it may be underlined but what you're doing is you're allowing your the viewer, to take the walk and experience the walk on their own and interpret it based upon their own life experiences. And that's why you love good art, right? Not because it tells you something, but because it allows you to explore and experience something for yourself. And so for me, that's why I love good art. It doesn't matter what it is, a movie, a music, um, a painting, prose. It sends a message, but allows you the freedom to interpret it and that's a very courageous thing for an artist to do because artists generally have their own ideas they when they make a, a piece of art or a painting or something they have an idea they are trying to um, express but once you release that art into the world you know the rest of the world gets to interpret it it's no longer yours and that's the beauty and power and you know danger in a sense of art you no longer get to control it which is why i love it it's a freedom loving thing and i love freedom and so as someone who loves freedom from a humanistic level not from a political level um i am fundamentally a humanist and so as my political views flow from my humanism, not the other way around. And so we talk and kind of get to know my, as you get to know me a little bit, as we engage on this journey of love together. I don't bother love. We closing that window. It ain't going to make a damn bit of difference. um, um, Our, our, Show secretary, the, we call her Lubby or the Lubbinator, depending upon my needs of the moment, is over there keeping tracks and notes of the show and monitoring the love line, if those of you should call, and to send it over here to my way. Um, we, we can do that. Um, but we are in my garage, and we are across the street, essentially, from the medical center. And so we get life flights coming back and, you know, we're at the edge of the ghetto. So sometimes we get ghetto birds, even though that's not usually the problem at this time of night. It's usually the life flight helicopter and closing the window isn't going to make a bit of difference on the sound. So if the life flight helicopter comes and makes a lot of noise, we just hit pause, smoke a doobie, sit back, relax, have some fun because there's nothing you can do and quite frankly you just kind of be thankful that you're not uh, a member of those families who is having a really bad day you know you'd be grateful that there are people willing to you know risk their lives to try and save the lives of other people flying helicopters and landing them on the top of a hospital is not an easy thing and so these people have to love humanity to do that and you know, me being inconvenienced with the helicopter noise for a few minutes is hardly an inconvenience considering how bad of a day someone must be having to take a helicopter ride to the hospital. And so when I hear the helicopter, it's my heart goes out to, their, to the person who's taking that trip and their family and friends. Because, you know, the love of humanity is far more important than my love of peace and quiet. You know, and trust me, I love peace and quiet. Except when I want to turn up some music and, you know, rattle the walls because I'm human like everybody else. (laughs) I love peace and quiet unless I want to make some noise. (laughs) Because I am like everybody else. So what else do we love? Well, I love Dr. Pepper. Because you can see. Why do I love Dr. Pepper? That's a good question. I don't know anymore. I've been drinking it for so long that uh, it's just what I drink. And since a concussion, oh, good Lord, how long was that concussion now? Three, four years? Four years? Yeah, well, and time became funny after the concussion. So I don't taste food right anymore, and so I essentially eat food based upon memory. And so Dr. Pepper's what I can instinctively remember, what it tastes like. So that's what I drink now. It's terrible for my health. It cannot be good. It's going to pay a price later on. And I am no spring chicken. But it's a cross. I will bear at some point later on because even before the head injury, I loved my Dr. Pepper. I just drank other stuff with it. And now it's all I drink. It's a sad thing. But you know, you don't cry over spilt milk. I was never a foodie. So the fact that I taste food and stuff differently is, is uh, not a big deal. You know, it's one of the things I didn't love. I didn't have a love of food. So I guess I suppose I don't miss it. Even though I can watch other people out enjoying the food and all these people who really, you know, love the taste of food and, and enjoy the taste of food and enjoy whatever the community Of food is a, is a something I've never really understood. I suppose I wonder if I've always tasted food differently. Even she, she got me to taste a, what was a yellow tomato? It was an heirloom tomato. It was gross, is what it was. <laughs> just, just say it. <laughs> It really was. It was terrible. Hey, but you know, you what you do for love, you'll try a tomato that you know you're not gonna like. And it's not like I don't like tomato stuff made from tomatoes, you know, pasta sauce and all that kind of stuff. But it's I don't know, maybe it's a texture thing. I'm not a texture person. Okay, so what else do we have on the list of what do we love? Um, I actually had a whole long list, and now I don't remember what I did with it. And that's embarrassing. That's all right. I can wing it. I am a, so I am now a professional TV host. Well, kind of. I'm. I do host a TV show. Um, I'm here at Sacramento. It's a Libertarian Counterpoint. I do love doing that. It's kind of fun. It's not so much even the politics of that. I, I love the kind of the community, the putting the shows together. Um, it's actually why. I, Kind of now have the confidence enough to kind of sit down and have a conversation with the people on a on a podcast that no one's listening to but <laughs> but no it all starts with one place and you know you don't start podcasts don't start with 100 listeners you start with zero and you build up and you know you have to kind of love what you're doing and love what you're trying to accomplish Or in this particular case, just love trying to stay sane in a world that is stressful. We're not going to talk much about kind of the stressful issues of the day, even though if you want to talk about it, you are free to come on and send me a message on the comments and uh, Facebook page. I'll create a specific Facebook page for this thing um, or group or something. But I haven't actually gone all the way through that. When I was actually the the goal of this particular show, and we're, what, 15 minutes in, and I'm finally starting to talk about the goals of the show. The goals of this particular project was really just, I get tired of talking about everything bad. And I think we did talk about it a little bit at the top of the show. But with the TV show and the politics and, you know, the party duties and all this kind of various stuff and unemployment. And I was reading a, uh, you know, suicide rates are spiking and my love of humanity is just, my heart is crushing. I'm watching communities and safety nets get washed away uh, because of actions that no one can really control and my heart was breaking. And so, you know, I try to change my own thought processes. Go, okay, what can I do? What talents do I have? What resources do I have? What abilities do I have? And well, this is it. And so it's, you know, in a, in a strange kind of way, it's taking my political campaign, sucking the politics out of it, and using it as a podcast, you know, once a week twice a week, whenever the hell we decide to do this. And to just kind of ignore all the negative and kind of bring in some positive light or talk to people who are needing a positive uh, perspective. Because I'm actually pretty good at that. I'm a pretty pretty positive person. I have a way of, you know, I fall on my face a lot, but yet I have a way of pulling myself back up. You, you go, you... I'm as bad as anybody else. You call your mother, you're whining for 20 minutes, and she tells you, yeah, 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 go get back to work. And so you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you go get back to work. You know, it's, it's, it is it's what it is. And, yeah, sometimes you were at stair 30, and now you're back at stair 10, and you've got a whole freaking line of stairs to climb back. But, you know, you put a smile on your face, and you say, it could be worse, I could be at stair zero. And you just keep climbing. You know, what is a dory from the movie? It's just keep swimming. You put a smile on your face and you just keep swimming. It doesn't mean you're necessarily happy. But what's the alternative? To go around dour and sour and scared and and afraid? No, I've done that. I've lived most all of my life. I say most of my life, I've had all all of my life, I've had an anxiety anxiety disorder. The last, I don't know, five, six years, I've kind of learned how to manage it better. But it doesn't go away. You still have to cope with it. And in, in days like, you know, these kind of times, you have to find outlets. And so this is my positive outlet to remind myself to stay positive. And we might as well see if the rest of the world wants to come on a positive journey with me. Or maybe I go on a positive journey with the rest of the world. I guess that's up for the listeners and me and audience members to kind of work out this relationship, what it is or isn't together. And so, oddly enough, for those of you who are catching this on the YouTube live stream or who are catching this on the, if you're catching this on the podcast, we're going to talk about something else I love to do. We're here for a minute. It's late in the evening, it's 1215, everything's kind of calm, you're not going to go away anywhere, so you don't have any major decisions to make. I mean, the worst thing I can screw up now is I can forget how to talk. So, and that's just an embarrassment on a podcast, when it's your own podcast, right? And When your lips stop working or your tongue starts, yeah, 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 it's all good. So what we are going to do, I'm going to smoke this little hair joint with my secretary over here, because I love smoking pot. And not on top of that, we got lucky today because our uh, delivery company had my favorite strand of pot on sale. It was cheap, and my favorite strand at the same time. You cannot have a better day than that. I love when that kind of stuff happens. And by the way, my favorite strain of, of marijuana is Purple Kush. Normally, I during the course of the day, I try to, you know, manage my intake. But late at night, when I no longer have to worry about going anywhere or doing anything, I have no more campaign events to do. Um, the convention madness, even though I'm not part of it, is done. I don't have any research for the show. Uh, There's nothing to do. I'm going to sit back and smoke this. Well, we are going to sit back and smoke this. While we talk to you about what do you love. So. I apologize for that break. Uh, And that's what we love. Facebook is probably not going to like me smoking pot on camera. YouTube don't care. But Facebook might. That's all right. It's legal in California. What do you guys want from me? And so what else do we love? How about old Cheech and Chong's movies? You know, have you ever watched those in adult? Not stoned. They're actually not very good. They're they're not. But you take smoke a couple of joints, you get in the right frame of mind, and they're hilarious. (coughs) It's the strangest thing. The first one. No, Up and Smoke? What's your favorite? Up and Smoke. They got weird after that. They stopped stopped making art. They started to make a message. They did what Hollywood does. Hollywood ruins movies. Because they don't know why things succeed. Actually I saw this and I I'm not I'm stealing this. I was watching a YouTube video. Well there was a YouTube video on yes the other day while I was playing my game City Skylines, which is another thing I love by the way. <coughs> and he was talking about why Hollywood ruins movies. And it's because they don't understand what people actually want and like in movies. He says so Hollywood like people like the Star Wars movies, right? And so, after Star Wars, you got a whole bunch of space movies. But it was it was it space or the lasers or no, it was the story. It was a basic story that let the the story was basic enough, but interesting enough, and unique enough. But it allowed the viewer to go back again to my discussion on art to implement so. You could watch it and you say, oh, I like Han- like Luke Skywalker or as a woman. Uh, you liked Leia or it was Han Solo or you Chewbacca. Whatever your kind of perspective was, you could kind of latch on to that character and view the movie through your perspective. The characters were defined enough, but ill-defined enough that you could view it through everybody's perspective. And it's a very tough trick, and which is why it's so hard to, like, the prequels didn't pull it off. They're just telling, they're essentially, it's not art, they're just telling a story. There's no interpretation to that story. That's why the prequels were were crap, because there's no interpretation to the story. You're just watching, might as well be watching a fancy documentary. Right? And so why there's... You know, you're just telling the story. It's a fancy documentary. And so Hollywood doesn't understand that it's not a space movie people wanted. They just want a high-quality movie. And the other thing was Deadpool. They thought they wanted, you know, rated, R-rated superheroes rather than the fact that Deadpool was successful because he was an aberration. He was one thing other superhero movies weren't. So when the minute you tried to make other superhero movies like Deadpool, you killed the whole thing. You kill the uniqueness. And then he become a character of himself. And they're killing the whole thing. It's really quite awful. What Hollywood does to movies. And I love movies. Well, I used to love movies. I don't really love modern movies. There are so few modern movies I like. But I used to love movies. <sighs> And I just don't know what to do. Because I, w- I want to, you know, TV's awful. Because again, there's so few TVs that are telling stories. Like, oh, what the hell is that name of that show that you watched? The pot show that's an anti pot show. Disjointed. Yeah, she watched the show, Disjointed. I guess it's on Netflix. You guys can go check it out. Um, and it's a show it's about this pot store. And the first time, maybe the first two times you watch the show, it's a funny little show about some stoners. But you watch the show too much, it's like... You might as well be watching... Oh, what the hell was that thing? You didn't like Kim's Convenience either. Yeah, but that's because it's racist. Uh, That's a whole different thing. It (laughs) is. That's a a whole different thing. This one's just because it's bad art. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what the hell was that movie they used to show? Um, Reefer Madness. It's like the modern Reefer Madness, man. It's like every bad stereotype... They hit every bad stereotype. Every single movie. Every single episode. It's so entertaining. Yes, it's entertaining. And if you wanted to laugh at potheads and show how stupid potheads were. Yeah, it's entertaining. And so and people as stoners, they're so stupid enough to get smoke some pot, get down and watch this anti stoner movie and laugh because it's funny. Now, granted, they're laughing at themselves, and so they're having a good time. And they're enjoying it, and I love that. But, uh, you know, I so you She got me ranting about something negative. Ah, that was my fault. Ah. But it's because I love good art, and that's lazy art. Even though, granted, it is open for interpretation, so at least it's art. Yes. So tell us why you like City Skyline. You, you, you skipped right over that. Oh, City Skylines, it's my the one video game I'm actually playing these days. I haven't played many video games. I used to be a big video game player, but was it? I guess it was before the concussion I stopped really, stopped playing video games. But when I'm getting old, my eyesight's are going bad, my reactions are no longer what they used to be. So, so I, you know, switched to, like, baseball simulations and football simulations, stuff that's strategic where you use your mind and you can plan and think and and, you know, you're just not a click or reaction based, based game. It's kind of either turn-based or like city skylines. You can hit pause or you can let it go depending upon uh, your particular mood, but you can also play it different ways. But essentially city skylines is a city builder game. You start with a big map of nothing empty you put roads in and build buildings and parks and fire stations and and you got to kind of plan and design your city and you grow it to until it grows so big that your computer can no longer handle it and then you start over and that's just (laughs) for me what i do is it gets me to shut off the rest of my brain right i spend so much time thinking about politics and candidates and putting tv shows together or putting podcasts together I also help with um, community podcast network again, it's politics. And so it's, you know, I love doing it, but it's politics. And so, you know, every now and again, you want to take some break out of that stuff. You want to think about nothing. And so, you know, when you want to play a game and do that, you want to be able to kind of shut off for a good eight, 10 hours. It's City skylines is what I use for that. Um, if I want to shut off for 20, 30 minutes, you know, an hour, I go and have to watch red green. So there's another thing I watch red green. That's a Canadian sketch humor. It's actually so terrible. It's good. It, it's, it really is so terrible. It's good there. If it, it, you couldn't recommend it, except you can, it's, it's one of those strange shows. It's very hard to pull up. Um, the best acting job I have actually ever seen over an extended period of time is done by what the, the, the second actor, the lead actor, second lead actor, Patrick McKenna. He plays Harold. That is, it's one of the world's best acting gigs, playing that character, especially as he gets older. As he got older, because he still was still believable as a young man, right up until the end of the show. It was it was actually quite an astounding acting job. And, so if anybody of you in Canada happens to get a chance to see Patrick McKenna, give him a thumbs up because that's a hell of a, an acting gig. Because you almost have to Shatner that kind of a thing, right? You have to overplay the character without overplaying the character. And that's hard, right? Because the chances are you just go full Shatner and you overplay the character and you just completely overplay it and it becomes a character of itself. But he didn't. He walked the line where he goes right up to that line of where it's no, not a character, but it's almost. And it's it's a marvelous acting job. It's one of the hardest things you can actually do as an as an actor is to overplay a character without overplaying it. It's I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, and one of the things I actually love, I suppose I should say we've been loving lately, is... Um, this is going to be sad because it shows how old I am. <laughs> it's, it's, we've been watching, you know, the stupid Wheel of Fortune game show host thing. You know, not Wheel of Fortune. No, it's not Wheel of Fortune. Like you. It's the family feud. Mostly the family feud. You know, the people who ask the funny questions, the make it grandma guy. And it's not his answer. It's the way he gave his answer that actually makes it funny. Okay, you have to explain what you just said. No, all they the have to question? do is go to YouTube and look up Naked Grandma. and or, or what is it? Family Feud Naked Grandma. And you should see, it. they ask the question, you know, what's the thing a robber doesn't want to see when he breaks into a house? And a guy hits the button and yells, literally, Naked Grandma! And... <laughs> And the guy across, I don't want to see that either. And so, yeah, no one wants to see naked grandma. Even naked grandpa don't want to see naked grandma. <laughs> well, okay, come on, let's be honest. They probably're used to seeing each other naked. So <laughs> rose-colored glasses, all that stuff. There's that's the only other person on the planet that wants to see grandma naked, is grandpa. It's just the way life works. <laughs> you know we love that about rose colored glasses that's what about rose colored glasses well rose colored glasses can be good when you're talking about someone you love and you're aging and you don't notice the flaws that develop and all those kinds of things you know that's great about rose colored glasses they're also very dangerous Uh in other aspects because you can actually get Someone can get away with a lot of crap because you've got rose-colored glasses on. You're not seeing what's really going on. So, so there's rose-colored glasses We're talking about the love line, and you know, rose-colored glasses can have a side effect, and it can lead to, um, shall we say, disastrous relationship consequences if you don't take them off from time to time to make sure that you're seeing what you're actually seeing. You know, it's not physical. It's not the, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the rose-colored glasses. It doesn't matter. It's not the superficial stuff. It's all you're missing signs in the relationship that you should be paying attention to because you're making excuses. Oh, well, they're overworked. They're tired. Times are stressed. And this is all true. But it, it there comes a point where are these things because of stress and overwork and... Or are they because there's something else going on? And that's a hard thing to know unless you're there and you can also be wrong. And because life is unpredictable and life is complicated and human beings are. uh, Human beings, I suppose is the best way I can describe what human beings are. Is human beings are human beings. And we don't always do things that are in our best interest. We know it while we're doing it. But, you know, we have to love humans because they are us. That's fundamentally why I'm a humanist is because you have to love humans and their flaws and and their good and the bad because you don't have one without the other. You don't get to have the good side of humanity without having to go through some struggle. Humanity doesn't get to the point where we no longer accept the 3% death rate. When you talk about this whole coronavirus, and this is actually a positive thing, so I don't want to go away. You know when this whole thing first started, we looked at it like we were having a three to four percent death rate, and the whole world panicked and shut down because that is no longer acceptable a hundred years ago a ten percent death rate we shrugged our shoulders at five hundred years ago thirty percent death rate life went on, and we now no longer accept a three percent death rate when that and that's mostly of elderly. do you realize in times past we wouldn't have accepted that do you know how wonderful that is that we now value human life so much that we're willing to shut down the whole entire planet essentially to save two, three percent of the people. That we would never even considered shutting down the world 50 years ago, over three percent of the people. And from a humanitarian aspect, whether you agree with decisions or there's other ways we could have accomplished it, the mere fact the humanity looks at this as say that is an unacceptable death toll. Is a positive that we know from though we we are now so advanced in our humanity that we just, it, can't even fathom what a three percent death rate would look like. That's a glorious thing. We can all have our disagreements about how the reactions to it, whether it was right, whether it was wrong whether too far or not far enough, or wear masks, all that honorable people can have honorable disagreements, but fundamentally none of us find a 3% death rate acceptable. And that I love. Because a 3% death rate shouldn't be acceptable. Humanity is far more important than that not because of what we can do or what we can accomplish or just because we're born the love of humanity the love of existence the love of nature now Despite all the problems of humanity, despite all the problems of civilization, despite all of our disagreements, we are advancing. We do love humanity. We do love our fellow human beings more today than we did 30, 40 years ago. And that is a positive development. Everything else can be negotiated. Everything else can be discussed. Everything else can be worked on. But the fact that we love each other more now than we ever have in the history of humanity. is a good thing. It's a positive thing. And it's actually what we're going to end this show on. We're about 35 minutes in. And we're just going to sit here and ramble on and rant. So... (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna get it i was gonna end up going into either one of two things either going into political speech mode or into tv show host mode and i don't want to do either one of that here so what we're going to do is we're going to take we're going to stop here we're going to go at what it's about 35 minutes 37 minutes i'll blabber on for another two and a half minutes vamping to the end of this thing just to keep it about 40 Normally, I'm going to try to keep these things about an hour to give people a chance to to kind of sign and call in. But we did no pre-promotion of this simply because I unplugged. I loved myself this week and unplugged and didn't get anything work done. Just kind of took it easy. And, you know, because loving yourself is, you know, part of loving the world. And you can't love the rest of the world if you don't love yourself first, because your love of the world will come out sideways. And I do want to ask all of you, as we close the show, that in these stressful times, if you are feeling stressed, reach out to somebody. I I know everybody's skeptical of calling government numbers or helplines or 800 lines. Please, if you don't have anybody else, call them. If you do have somebody else, call somebody. If you are worried about somebody, reach out to them. Say hello. Take them a sandwich. It doesn't matter. And if someone reaches out to you and says they need help, don't turn them away. I know you feel unequipped to deal with it. And maybe you are. But they reached out to you because they trusted you. And because they felt they had nowhere else to turn. So if all you do is convince them to call an 800 number you can do that if all you can do is stand next to them while they talk to that person on the 800 number you can do that because we're all going to have to pull together we're all going to have to love each other and i'm going to and we're going to end the show tonight on that and i want you to please remember to uh